What up, folks? Welcome back to Love & Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And we are getting you ready for summer the best way we know how. By putting you on to some life-changing water ice crafted by Philly and Temple's own Sadiq Moore. Seriously, life-changing and healthy. Also, we are going to open your minds when it comes to street food with Sophia DeLeon, who is blowing away our taste buds with the treasures of the underrepresented with mouth-watering dishes. But first, a round of Philly faves. And today's topic, Justin... What is your favorite place to walk, run, or ride your bike in greater Philadelphia? I love that you have a variety of options in that question because mm. Rachel- I've never seen you do any no, of you those can't. things. Yeah. I've never seen her Okay, I was about to say Rachel does not ride a bike. Rachel yeah. is not running for a train, a plane, or just in general. So I've never seen for... Rachel in leggings. I've never seen Rachel in leggings. Oh, no, she looked cute in leggings. She wears leggings. Okay, okay. okay. Um, but- <laughs> I would say Boathouse Row. I love Boathouse Row. It's, you know, beautiful. Obviously, that's one of the iconic places in Philadelphia. But my answer for a beautiful area, lovely sightseeing and a wonderful walk would be Boathouse Row. Um, Yeah, I wonder how long she's going to ride that Do you accept that answer? Why you pause like that? I pause because I'm like, Boathouse Road is only like a five minute like walk run or you walk. No, you might walk and then sit and enjoy and or continue on Kelly Drive. Whatever. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Okay, I'm gonna go. Skip her (laughs) (laughs) So mine is she does me though, right? Okay. Forbidden Drive along the Wissahickon Creek, Mm -hmm. uh, where I grew up in in Roxborough. It's very long and there's Valley Green and there's different parts of it. There's just this canopy of trees and it's just a great place to be outside and still be in the city. That's a good one, Justin, because it's like a lot of hidden gems. I've hiked up there and found like statues that I never knew existed. I've done runs around. I'm just so, okay, I'm sorry. I'm all in your business. Do you like carry a special backpack when you go hiking or is it simply like- Just a fanny, just a fanny. You just need a fanny. You don't put too much weight on yourself. Is it, is it that pack light plan big fanny you had in that video? Or? Okay, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the one. I would just say my one of my favorite places to ride bikes is down in South Philly. I think it's like 23rd and Lumbar where you can go down the steps and like you'll be underneath the highways, like underneath 76 and whatnot. It's a beautiful newly paved trail. I say new because I mean 10 years old. Schuylkill Banks. Yeah, over there. Thank you, Justin. I knew you would come in the clinch. You ride the bike as well. Are you talking to me? I said Justin. Do you oh, know no, I'm not a bike rider. Well. I just watch Laia ride okay, on so her I Instagram. Say, I was like, don't you dare. Watch that lightning you, come and get him. Don't you, you know dare I'm, try to act like, I know you well, don't ride nobody. I'm a klutz. You know I'm a klutz. I mean, I can barely keep up on my two feet. Uh-oh, I feel a hike in our future uh, on the road series. Give me a cute shirt and some leggings to wear. And where are we going to eat afterwards? Let's go to Sadiq for some fresh water ice and that will like cool us off. That's a drive though. So. Forget y'all. See, y'all so crusty. I can't say y'all. <laughs> ain't nothing but grit up in here. Where's the love? <laughs> I'm over y'all. Over y'all. Anybody looking for another podcast co-host? You should know Sadiq's water ice is a part of Philly's vernacular. Yes, when it comes to the common Philly debate of who has got the best water ice, Sadiq's name is the latest to enter the conversation because although there are quite a few places that sell our summer treat, there are few to reinvent it. I mean, cantaloupe flavor water ice with actual cantaloupe in it, hello? Yeah, he uses real fruit, mind blowing. 
Enter Sadiq Moore, who started making a name for himself on his college campus at Temple University with one cart. Fast forward almost 20 years of perseverance and hard work to own a world-renowned brand and two brick-and-mortar stores. However, I got a feeling he's got more in store. So how did water ice become your thing? Or water ice? Water ice is a Philadelphia tradition. So it's all around us. So you're from Philadelphia, you grew up on water ice. For me, I'm fairly health conscious. Generally, when you have the traditional water ice, you know, the red lips and blue tongue stuff, if you get it on your hands, it'll stay in your hands for at least two days. Hmm. So you can imagine what it's doing to your insides. Plus, my thing is always being different. If everybody's going this way, then I'm going that way. But what made you even want to pursue water ice? Like, how did you know how to refine your ingredients, your recipe? What made you even start on that part of the journey? I started at Temple in 93 as a student. And then I started doing the water ice in 95. Like I say, I'm always being different. So therefore, once I know this is what kind of goes into it, then I'm saying, all right, well, let me go ahead and do something different. That stuff is staying your, your hands for at least a day. So you can imagine what it's doing to your insides. So that's pretty much why I do what I do. But it's not just about water ice. There's a much bigger community component to this. To me, Sadiq's water ice is bigger than water ice. It's about making a difference in the community. So really what I do, I use my platform for water ice and all the great things they say about me. I'm the ultimate Philly frozen treatment. I beat out 31 other companies and they renamed the street us and, you know, that type thing. There's some big accomplishments. Yes. Um, Travel and leisure. Yes, honey. Come on, toot your horn. Toot, toot, toot. You know, but outside of all that stuff, it's about making a difference in the community. So I just use my platform to get in front of the people to show them that you don't have to sell drugs. You don't have to do this and that. So that's my why. My why is the inner city youth to show them that you don't have to do certain stuff in order to get caught up in the trap. I'm curious about the locations that you chose because you now have two brick and mortars, which is like huge. But you put one in Chester, which is like huge. You know, nobody would have touched Chester. So many people are afraid of Chester. Right. But Mm. guess what? is no different than what Sixer Street was. The crime rate dropped from the time that we opened to date. Check it wow. out. That's something to be proud of. That's heavy. But guess what? It's not no flex. I'm not saying it to flex. I'm mm-hmm. saying it with inspiration, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we have to be the change that we want to see in the community. We can't wait for somebody to come save us. We have to be the champions for the block. We got to go ahead and take charge of the block. And we set the tone as to how it's going down on the block. And how many people do you employ from the block? You say now I got 27 years. I mean, mean, excuse me. You've been having folks on the payroll and it is growing is what I mean. Right. 27 years. They done graduated. They done did all kinds of, they got pharmaceutical companies. They got office supplies companies. They got, they're doing trucking. They're doing all kinds of stuff. But guess what? The solution to the trap is entrepreneurship. My thing is, again, making a difference in the community. And Chester needs a Sadiq's water ice in terms of bringing forth happiness. We had a car show, 40-something cars, Corvettes with Lamborghini doors, old school cars, 48 Cadillacs, all that kind of stuff. And we're right there in the hood. In Chester. My place is an old checkers. And you're talking about a particular location that was known for drugs and crime, et cetera, et cetera. But you got, by God's permission, you got the Sadiq water ice factor. People know when you come with good energy, people know it, they mm-hmm. feel it. A lot of times the people, they talk themselves out of it. You know what I mean? Oh man, that used to be a checkers. Oh, I can't afford that. I can't do this and that. No, you don't know what God got for you is for you. And that's the case. My thing is that I'm going so hard for Chester, they're going to swear I'm from Chester. 
right no, you're from Philly. You're from Philly. No, I'm definitely from Philly. I definitely, I'm definitely from Philly. But I'm saying that's how hard I'm going for Chester. So you see the name of the podcast is Love and Grit. And so we like to ask each of our guests, what does that name mean to you? Whether it's in relation to our region, your business, who you are as a person, what does Love and Grit mean to you? So the love part is me and my love that I have for the community. My love for transforming the community. My thing is, why can't we have something nice? Why do our people got to go to Old City, Mainline, all these other places to get a great customer experience? Why we got to go to the boardwalk in Atlantic City in order to get that same kind of vibe and happy feel? We had this whole big deal with COVID. We lost a lot of loved ones, right? But when people were being locked down, people needed to come out and get their feel, right? That was essential. We were essential. And I'm blessed and thankful, you mean, that we were able to go in and remain open, but not just open, but really thrive and bring happiness and healing to people that was locked down. So it was just a little something that made people so happy. Yes. And so therefore, we was able to do that and provide that for the people in our communities. There's something. You sitting in the house X amount of hours a day, that's a big deal to be able to come out and get your feel good. So Sadiq's what I was the feel good and is the feel good. No, that's beautiful. And what you're talking about is is equity, making sure that people are treated with respect, have the same access and receive that type of quality service because everyone deserves that. So thank you for everything that you do. We didn't talk about the grit. I'm Uh waiting for your answer. I didn't know if you forgot about the grit. So we was just... <laughs> it's close to grits. You mean, I love grits. That's your answer. answer regarding the grit? No, 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 no. <laughs> you got to have that kind of fortitude. You got to have that kind of grit in order to be out here and doing the work. Let me give you this, right? Everybody, they talk about Dr. King and all the things that he did. They memorized his speech and all that kind of stuff, right? Then they talk about El Haj Malik Shabazz, Malcolm X, and all the things that he did. Well, my thing is, well, what are they going to say about you? What legacy are you going to leave? Listen, there was real people, right? Mm-hmm. And then some other thing is, you got to go through some stuff. You have to go through some stuff to reach matrix status. So to do what I'm doing right here in the block, whether it's in Chester or it's in West Philly, when people know that you real and that you really serious about what you're doing and you don't have that no fear or nothing like that, and you really moving respectfully, the block, they watch me build this. And they watch me teach the young kids. And again, we're talking about life skills. So again, it's bigger than water ice. It's a lot bigger than water ice. Just when you think Philly has the food scene covered, enter Sofia De Leon. Born and raised in Guatemala City, trained in food industry management from Michigan University and becoming a master in food marketing thanks to St. Joe's, gave Sophia the vision to represent the underrepresented cuisine of Central America. Adding more of a challenge to her chosen mission was to introduce these delicious dishes as fast casual with a focus on a mix of traditional Guatemalan, El Salvadorian, and Honduran street foods and churros, because they love the churros. So in 2018, South Philly's own El Mercury was born. And in 2021, Sophia opened up a second location in our favorite foodie spot, Reading Terminal. Now she's talking expansion with a line of coffee and frozen goods. So yeah, we're basically grabbing her now before she forgets who we are. Those churros, (gasps) they are delightful Mm -hmm. and they're beautiful. They had this, I I wanna say special fairy dust. Something beautiful was, in the presentation, what was that? It was a glitter. 
edible glitter is, is the secret to the sparkles, <sighs> see, you know? You should see Maya's face. People need to know she was like, Rachel, what are you talking about? Why are you being extra? See? I was, I was. She was, she was giving me this look. Who's at her? I never heard of edible glitter. I'm like, from flowers to glitter, I'm ready. I'm here for this. Yep. So when you eat it, it also sticks to you. <laughs> you won't yes. be wearing the glitter all day. But it's and probably beautiful. the next morning, it's all over your pillow. Like I oh. thought you said you were at work. I was. I just had <laughs> Where'd the idea for El Mercury come from? I always wanted to open a restaurant. Like I grew up making food. My mom basically kicked me out of the kitchen when I was like 12. And she offered my services for free at the Intercontinental Hotel. And she was like, she could be an unpaid intern here. I just don't want her to be cooking at home. And so they took me in for some reason. Yeah, I was like the little elf that would just help them out. At the Intercontinental, though? That's a big deal as a little girl. It's worldwide. It's a big deal. That was like my dream, you know? Like, I was in heaven. (laughs) Like, I didn't care that I didn't have vacation, that, you know, I was working on my weekends. I just loved it so much. And I loved cooking, right? So I always thought that that was my passion and that I was, you know, it was like my hobby, but I wanted to be an executive and do the whole executive career and climb the ladder and then retire and open a restaurant. I feel like that's what people think. Even now, like I talk to MBAs and they're like, yeah, you know, I'd love to have a restaurant, you know, maybe in a few years. Um, No. (laughs) like I was having a conversation with someone not like my job I was a broker I was a marketer I was a salesperson I did a a lot in food always I worked for Hormel for Curtis for McCormick for the Irish Dairy Ward Um, you got all kinds of expertise I lived in California and Miami and Westchester Pennsylvania and always doing like food jobs but you know, I, I was always not really satisfied. And at some point I talked to like some guru, like a life guru, and I was really skeptical. And I was like, well, what do you do? And he was like, I help people find their happiness. And I'm like, well, I already know it makes me happy. And he was like, well, are you doing it? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he was like, well, why? And then it just got me thinking. I love food. I love the industry. That's my passion. And I'm not doing it. So from there, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I just had to quit my job and I didn't want to look back, you know, when I was 50 years old and be like, oh, what if I had quit my job then? And what would have hmm. happened then? And hmm. so I just decided to take the risk and just quit and start it with pop-ups and catering. And yeah, Mercury was born really out of the desire to bring awareness to Central America as a whole, because at that point, there was also the political landscape that was changing and a lot of negativity towards immigrants and bad hombres. All you could hear was like, oh, these whole countries you know and you don't really hear that anymore thank god mm-hmm. but at the time i was like i want to make it my mission to showcase these small countries and let philadelphia at least know that we have so much more to offer you know i thought there were so many pizza places and mexican places and a lot of the same why mm-hmm. can't there be a place that represents my home i started doing the, the ghost kitchen thing before ghost kitchens were so popular mm-hmm. so i opened on grubhub at the Enterprise Center in West Philly. You wouldn't really and think- Ahead like, of your time. Right? I mean, <laughs> a couple years later. Can you, like, you know, five years ago, people weren't thinking of ordering from no. a place that didn't have a storefront. Like, right, it, right. you wouldn't think about that. And, and a lot of restaurants normal. weren't even thinking about doing takeout. Exactly. Like, it's so crazy how things change so fast. 
So back then, four years ago, that was not popular at all. It wasn't really great, but I got to prove the concept. You know, I got feedback. When you started, were you just doing Guatemalan food or had you already started implementing other countries and food? So I always knew I wanted to have pupusas. And pupusas are traditionally from El Salvador, mainly because I grew up in in this part of Guatemala. It's called Carretera El Salvador, which is the road to El Salvador. (laughs) So I had a very close connection to like El Salvadorian food. And I love pupusas. They're so approachable. It's a no-brainer. Like, why are people not eating pupusas when it's just a corn tortilla with cheese inside and salsa? It's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it was an easy item for Americans to understand and want to try. And at some point, you know, I, I not dumb it down, but to make it the most approachable, like I would explain it as a hot pocket, right? <laughs> with some meat in the middle. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about you being a fellow and the work with the James Beard Foundation and that fellowship? What's been involved with that? What does that mean to you? That sounds amazing. Yes. I feel so fortunate that I was, first of all, picked because I applied last year to both the James Beard Women in Leadership Foundation and the Tory Birch, and both just happened last year. And in I think it's good because one, James Beard, you know, they had the whole issue where they were really only focusing on men and white men at that. And I think they've been trying to change that to put more emphasis and more basically dollars (laughs) behind Mm -hmm. supporting women and like supporting women of color and supporting minorities and being a part of that, like just having the name, the brand of James Beard behind me, I feel like it's so strong. And it comes with the network of other women that are also in food and that are all over the US. We support each other. Like we have a, a group chat and whenever, you know, I have an issue, like I ask them, like, hey, girls, what do you think? And like, it's like a great support group. And there's also the fact that James Beard has so many resources, right? Whether it's lobbyists in DC for small restaurants for more funds or like the James Beard Foundation House where, you know, they have events or things like that. So like, I feel so privileged to participate and to be part of that program. It came with classes from Cornell and yeah, I think it's so important the cachet that it has, right? It's like winning an Emmy, like winning an Oscar. And like, I mean, I didn't actually win anything. I was not yet, not yet of a program, (laughs) but it's the network that I think is so important because you are where your network is basically. And you said you didn't win anything, but at the same time, Philadelphia is winning. We're winning Mm. because of you being here because Mm -hmm. of your wonderful spirit and being an ambassador to our region on top of having an amazing restaurant, amazing food. We're so proud of you and thankful that you're doing what you're doing. I'm curious though, why Philadelphia? Because like you said, you've lived everywhere. I love Philly. I never in my life imagined myself, like I never thought, oh, from Guatemala, I'm just going to move and I'm going to live in Philadelphia. Like I never thought that ever. I actually thought that I was going to live in Miami or live in New York, but like, I lived in Miami. I did not like it. I lived in San Diego. I did not like it. You know what I like about Philly is that people are so blunt. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that so much. I love the honesty. honest. <laughs> I really appreciate that. The fact that like if somebody doesn't like you, they let you know. Yes. That's like a weight of your shoulders. I think Philly has also been very open with me. You know, like they've accepted Central American food and embraced it. And I feel like it's more special here because there's less of it than Mm. 
if I had opened it in Miami, where mm-hmm. maybe there's a lot more and people are expecting it to be cheaper or more authentic, people here have accepted it as it is and wanted to learn more and supported me. And that's the reason why I'm still standing. So I love Philadelphia, you know. Yeah, we like good food in Philly. As long as it tastes good, just make it taste good. Make it taste good. You're one of my favorite places to order in from. It comes real quick and it's hot. And I love the, I was telling the ladies how you can get a tostada. I love the toast, chicken Mm -hmm. tostada. The tostadas and the corn and the rice and beans, toquito. And they come together and it's like, oh, you got a couple little bites of different things. And it's so filling and so healthy and good. Can you just explain to the Reading Terminal? I always wanted to ask someone how you get a location in Reading Terminal and what that really means to you as a restaurant owner. I always wanted to be at the Reading Terminal. Uh-huh. The first day that I came to Philly, I remember that it was raining. It was pouring. And I went to the Reading Terminal for the first time. I was like, this place is, it's like a kid in a toy store almost. <laughs> you know, it was like all this smells, all the colors, mm-hmm. and neon always loud it was just amazing and i'm like i want to be here i'm pretty sure i harassed them for five years i send them emails i went up to the <laughs> to the office i called it can't be I, an easy thing to get no yeah. i i was like if it's the last thing i do i want to have a place at the ready terminal i just always you know i always wanted it and then eventually it happened you know like it happened maybe because of the pandemic, I got For all your hard work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and at the worst of times, like there was an opportunity and it was like, yeah, now or never. <laughs> I am so happy that I was able to get it there because, you know, Chestnut is great. You know, it's my, like my first baby. You know, it's my commissary kitchen. We make everything there. My team is so great. But Reading Terminal is so different in that you have access to so many different people. And most of whom are tourists. Tourists, like, yeah. From the convention center. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. So they're just passing through the market and they might not see any other place in Philadelphia, but they'll go to the Reading Terminal. So it's like you have that one connection to a person that might come from Alaska or Hawaii or wherever. And, you know, we already had times in the one year people have come from Minnesota because of the, the two convention. I think there's been two of them and, you know, they come back and they love our tamarind water. So like whenever they come, they buy a dozen of it. So it's great to know that people like it so much that they're coming from the Midwest to here to buy this and they remember. So I love that connection. And there's so many people. It's always alive. Rain, shine, snow, 100 degree weather. There's always people there. So I feel really, really lucky. Eighth wonder of the world. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's next? What are you planning? So, well, for one, I brought in the coffee. We started doing, I don't know if you've tried it yet, but uh, so we buy it directly from the farmer. I would like to expand on it. Right now, we mainly like serve it at both restaurants and sell it by the pound. We were doing a coffee subscription. So if people wanted, they could order a subscription and, you know, you would get coffee like every month. I was also like during the pandemic because my background is in CPG, consumer packaged products. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yes. you. <laughs> Sorry. So we, we wanted to do frozen pupusas and we started working with the Drexel Food Lab and developed the packaging and everything. We were 
bringing in the packaging from China and then China shut mm. down. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, like, so right now, anything that is coming from China is just not happening. So that is on hold, but we're getting prepared for the frozen pupusa so. movement <laughs> to happen. Love it. And then I am bringing in some churro cards to have for events. They're like a bike with a fryer and an umbrella. And so the idea is that there's an outdoor wedding or a corporate party or something. We'll go with our little umbrella toting um, bike. And buy the churros. So that's coming in the next three to four months. And then the one that's taking a lot of my time is I am launching a rum <laughs> so say what now now you, you save the best for last so my great great grandma in guatemala had the first distillery the first rum distillery in guatemala we had a dictatorship which took it away and gave it to political allies and it happened that the political allies are still the ones that hold the manufacturer today you know i grew up drinking rum and a lot of caribbean countries is the same but in America, you don't see rum the same. Rum here is like a tiki drink. Like it's almost like a drink mm-hmm. that's going to give you a hangover that is way too sweet. At least that's the image with it. But we have some of the best rum in the world. So mm-hmm. I want to position it in the way that tequila has been positioned for Americans. So this is somewhat of a longer term project. Smart though, tequila has become <laughs> big business. And, and I chose the state with the most with the the liquor issues, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the hardest is, state. And is that rum one of the higher contents like cachaça? Because I know Brazil has cachaça, but you know. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it okay. has 40%. And mm-hmm. the part of this is that we're partnering with a co-op of indigenous women. So like this cover, for example. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, can you describe the cover so that people listening to the podcast can yes. see, hear how beautiful this is? So in Guatemala, there is a form of weaving called telar de pie. The idea is that, you know, we're keeping this art alive and we're paying people fair wages instead of them either A, crossing the border and coming here or them selling their goods at the market for pennies on the dollar. So where are you guys making it? Guatemala. Great. And I'll be imported here. Yep. Sometime in October. Okay, thank you. We'll be looking for it. So can I ask you a question that we like to ask all of our guests? You know, the name of the podcast is Love and Grit. And so we want to know what does love and grit mean to you, either as a person, as you think about our region, or as you think about your business? I would say love and grit is probably my relationship with Philadelphia, because I loved Guatemala and I wanted to represent it. It's my country. It's where I came from. And now I share that love with Philadelphia and putting both of them together. And if it wasn't for grit, we wouldn't still be standing. We survived the pandemic and we were able to open another location and we are here and hopefully growing and and, and continuing <laughs> to create new things. And still in Philly. So I think, yeah, it's the connection with me and El Mercury and Philly. I think all of that is encompassed with love and grit. You can follow us at Love Grit Philly on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter. And Rachel, tell us about something you're working on that I'm very excited for. See, I'm so glad you asked that question. And I'm also appreciative of the support that the two of you are Mm -hmm. providing. And no, 
Yes, no, it's good. It's just it's so natural. No, keep going. Please talk. No, go, go, go. <laughs> not natural. Okay. Rachel, I'm yeah. messing with you. Tell us about the golf event. I'm excited because it's going to be men, man. Keep that part. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this is a year-long initiative, marketing initiative. Last summer, we extended personal invitations and we had prominent Philadelphians extend invitations to their fraternity brothers and sorority sisters that were members of the two million members of the national. National Panhellenic Council, i.e. Divine Nine. Mm. And we want folks to come to Philadelphia. We want locals that are part of these fraternities and sororities to participate as well in this golf outing that is taking place on Monday, June 20th. Now that date for this inaugural event is intentional. It's the weekend of Juneteenth. The Juneteenth Parade and Festival has a wonderful event. So many floats. The Divine Nine will have a float in that um, parade. I won't announce or give anything else away, but we want to make sure that people understand all the history in our region. We want to make sure that people are coming here and realize all of the activities. I think about the exhibit pool that's here and Forbes will have a summit and there's just so many things taking place. So that Monday, we want you to participate in this golf outing, learn about the history of black golfers and historical institutions such as Cobbs Creek and the legendary players where they didn't have options and really couldn't go and participate in these tournaments, Cobbs Creek was a home to them. We want you to participate, have a fun afternoon, go to visitphilly.com slash golf so that you can register. It's going to be a fun event, a fun weekend. And if you're coming from out of town, there's great hotel discounts that are being offered and provided. And this is a weekend you don't want to miss. And we look forward to this being a reoccurring event, an annual Mm -hmm. event. The other thing I would add is that it's important to note a portion of the proceeds are being donated to Cheney University of Pennsylvania, Lincoln University, and Community College of Philadelphia. I love that. That is like good grown fun and for a good cause. We're looking forward to it. Experience the region's history, culture, food, drink, and fun. Sounds good to me. Singles prioritized. Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Single people. 